This morning, as we continue our study on denominations and looking at kind of some of the history behind them and some of the distinct doctrines to each of them, this morning we're going to look at Pentecostals. And so this week, my plan is to look at Pentecostals. Next week, we'll look at Charismatics. And uh, the week after that, we'll probably be kind of a continuation of that just because of some of the doctrinal things to address with each denomination. Uh, So Pentecostalism really started at the beginning of the 1900s, but the background to Pentecostalism started all the way back with John Wesley. Uh, You might remember that Wesley had this kind of unique doctrine of holiness, that you could be completely sanctified on earth. Uh, And so holiness uh, was a big emphasis for Wesley and in the Wesleyan movement. And that emphasis on holiness came back around at the end of the 1800s, and it came back around with some denominations and some revivals. And it was really out of that kind of revival of the holiness movement that Pentecostalism started at the beginning of the 1900s. There's a little bit of debate on where it actually started. Uh, Most people trace it back to Los Angeles. There's some debate about whether it started in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, I tend to think it was Los Angeles. But the famous thing for Pentecostalism is called the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. This happened in 1906, and it lasted for three years, and it was led by, uh, well, more than one people were involved with it, but William Seymour was one of the main preachers there. And so people would come from all over the country, even from, uh, well, they would come from all over, and then even they would go out to all parts of the world from this revival and spread the teachings about um, what was going on there and specifically things like baptism of the Holy Spirit or the uh, the the charismatic spiritual gifts uh, was a major part of that and so from that revival so that's just a revival that's not the denomination per se but from that revival there were people from the Church of God in Christ, who then went to that revival and were influenced by it. And essentially, Church of God in Christ became the first Pentecostal denomination in 1907. And so they are the original Pentecostal denomination, the Church of God in Christ. Uh, Later, In 1914, they split, the Church of God in Christ split, and that's where the Assemblies of God comes from. It's from a split from Church of God in Christ. And it's kind of fascinating. I didn't know this until this last week, but the split really was about, um, it was really about racism. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. They had a meeting of all the white ministers in the Church of God in Christ. They had kind of a closed door meeting and they decided they were going to split off into their own denomination. And 
really they had no contact with Church of God in Christ officially until like 10 years ago. And so there was this kind of division along these lines for a long time. Uh, but since they've kind of mended that rift, but uh, it's only been recently. But Assemblies of God is the uh, one that started in 1914. And so traditionally, they have kind of been split along those lines. Assembly of God has been the, you might say, the predominantly white Pentecostal denomination. And Church of God in Christ has been the predominantly black Pentecostal denomination. And so that's kind of where they come from and where they started at. And with that, there are some doctrinal distinctions in Pentecostalism that I want to talk about. Uh, I'll mention them briefly. Uh, I want to talk about specifically baptism in the Holy Spirit this morning, but there are several doctrinal distinctions in Pentecostalism. One of them is that some Pentecostal denominations are what's called oneness Pentecostals. And so oneness Pentecostals are called that because they don't believe that God is three persons. They believe he's simply one God that's manifested in three different ways. So this is sometimes called modalism. So God the Father in the Old Testament is then uh, manifested as Jesus, is then manifested as the Holy Spirit. But it's not three persons in one God co-eternally existing. It's one God simply representing himself a different way depending on the time that you look at in the Bible. So that uh, is different than what we believe about the Trinity. And that's, that's a major difference. So oneness Pentecostals, they don't say the same things we do about Jesus, right? They would say the same things in that they would say Jesus died for our sins, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. But who Jesus is, is fundamentally different than what we believe. And so really, that means that they would be outside of Orthodox Christianity uh, because they don't believe in the same Jesus. That would put them as a different religion than Christianity, oneness Pentecostals, because they don't believe in the Trinity. And that's traditionally been the case. Uh, some of the earliest... Uh, controversies in the church were about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and those things getting worked out. And so that's oneness Pentecostalism. So if you ever hear about that phrase, that gives you an idea of what they believe. Holiness Pentecostals would believe that you can be completely sanctified here on earth. So kind of that idea of holiness, right? And then they would say, after that, after you're completely sanctified, you achieve holiness, that's when you receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of a three-step process. You're saved, then you achieve sanctification, and then you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Church of God in Christ would fall into this camp. They're kind of a holiness uh, Pentecostalism. And there are other ones as well. Um, but the Assembly of God does not fall into this holiness uh, camp, so to speak. They wouldn't say you're saved and then you're completely sanctified and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They would say you're saved and then you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit even though you're not perfect yet. So they, so those are some, uh, some major things 
because of those Wesleyan roots in Pentecostalism, they also don't believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. They would believe you can lose your salvation. They generally have had uh, women in ministry from the beginning, which is kind of unique about their denomination or about Pentecostalism. Church of God in Christ is not like that, but most of the other Pentecostal denominations uh, have had women in ministry since the beginning, 100 years ago. And they believe that healing is the, uh, it's sometimes phrased as the privilege of every Christian. And so the, the continuation of healing and the, the importance of healing in the denomination. And so we'll talk about some of those things in the weeks to come. Uh, but today, I want to think specifically about baptism in the Holy Spirit and just think about that doctrine, because that's a major difference between uh, Baptists and Pentecostals, generally speaking. And I'm generally going to speak about the assemblies of God when I'm talking about these doctrinal differences, uh, because, uh, well, they're the ones that I looked at the most. Um, Church of God in Christ has very similar statements on this. Really, all Pentecostals are very similar on this, um, but I uh, was able to look most in depth at the assembly of God uh, teaching on it. So they would say that baptism in the Holy Spirit is after salvation and that it's always evidenced by speaking in tongues. And so this is really, this is what it means to be Pentecostal. Uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit is always there if you're a Pentecostal. And speaking in tongues is almost always accompanying uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so this uh, doctrinal distinction, again, we want to be fair. They're not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit whenever you become a Christian. That's not what baptism in the Holy Spirit means. Because that's clearly not taught in the Bible. The Bible clearly says we have the Holy Spirit whenever we're a Christian. Uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, just means that you are then at a later point filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive the full power of the Holy Spirit. That, and that's accompanied by speaking in tongues and uh, the fullness of the spiritual gifts and things like that. So you're saved and you receive the Spirit then, but there's a later point in time when you receive the fullness of the Spirit and you're able to then better love God, love others, because you have the fullness of the Spirit. So the question then becomes, as we think about that doctrine, the question becomes, when do we receive the fullness of the Spirit? It's not when do we receive the Spirit, we both agree on that, but when do we receive all of the Holy Spirit? Is it at the point of conversion, or is it at a later point? And so the Pentecostal argument would say, when you look at the book of Acts, you get several times, like at Pentecost, when people were already saved, and then at a later point in time, they received the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So the apostles. No one would claim that the apostles were not Christians until the day of Pentecost. Every, almost everyone, I would think, believes that they were Christians while they were following Jesus. I mean, Peter declared, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. That seems very, like a very Christian statement, right? So they believed before Pentecost, and then later, you know, at Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit. There are other examples of that in the book of Acts. You get uh, the Samaritans and uh, a couple other examples, some almost simultaneous, some at a different time. So they would point to the book of Acts and say, see, this is what happened in the book of Acts. Therefore, we shouldn't say it's always at the same time. It happens, it can happen at a later time where we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. However, that's really not traditionally what evangelicals would say. We would say you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit at the time that you're converted. So to look at this, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. This talks about the spiritual gifts. Um, this is a little before the spiritual gifts, actually. But this is one of the seven passages in the Bible that talks about baptism in or by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there are seven passages. There's one in each of the Gospels. There's two in the book of Acts. And then there's this one in 1 Corinthians. And it's important to note that all of those passages use the same language uh, they have the same Greek phrases behind them, so they're all using the same words, which should tip us off that they're all talking about the same thing. They're using the same phrases, same words. They're talking about the same events when they're talking about this baptism in or by the Spirit. And so this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For in one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So there at the beginning you see, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So this is the verse really that's convincing to me, and traditionally is convincing to non-Pentecostals, if this is talking about the same thing as all those other baptisms in the Holy Spirit, which again is using the same language, that would mean that this verse, as we read it, this verse is saying, we were, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are also baptized into one body. In other words, when you enter the body, that's when you become a Christian, you're made a part of the body of Christ, that's at the same time you're also baptized in the Spirit. And so this would be saying then that however we define baptism in the Spirit, it happens at the same time as conversion, not at a later point in time. And so that's, uh, I think, the textual argument of why we would say it's not, it, we're not converted and then later we receive the fullness of the spirit we have the we all have the same spirit of god there's not two levels within christianity some people who just have a little bit of the spirit and some people who have the fullness of the spirit everyone has the same spirit and that's important uh it means there's not again two levels in christianity but it also means that we all have the power of the spirit that we all need to be growing in walking in the Spirit, 
And we need to be keeping ourselves filled with the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we don't all have the Holy Spirit, right? We all have His fullness, uh, and we're told to walk in the Spirit. So the question, after that, then you ask the question, well, what's going on in the book of Acts? Because Acts clearly shows that people received the Holy Spirit after they were converted. So what's that about? This verse says you receive the Spirit at the same time that you become a Christian and are part of the body of Christ. What about the book of Acts? Well, the book of Acts, we remember, it's not just a, a passage or not just a history about individuals converting to Christianity. But the book of Acts is really a history about how the old covenant is passed away and the new covenant has come. And so in that, we're reminded of the, the promises of the new covenant. One of the promises was that we would receive the Spirit, right? And so people receiving the Spirit in the book of Acts is God showing that now the old covenant has passed away and now the new covenant has come. And so it's kind of this transitionary period between the old covenant and the new covenant. And so people who were in, who were true believers, like the apostles, then receive the new covenant at Pentecost. And you get everyone else who believes, right? Not just the Jews and the apostles, but also the Samaritans, also the Gentiles. They then also receive the spirit as a validation that they're the same. They receive the same new covenant as everyone else. Uh, it's not a different covenant for the Jews, a different covenant for the Samaritans and Gentiles. They all receive the same spirit. Therefore, they're a part of the same new covenant. And the reason I think it's delayed, often you'll see that the apostles were the ones who came and laid hands on the people and they received the Holy Spirit. It shows the continuity, right? That there's not uh, this difference between one group and the other, that it's all continuous and it's all, really, it's all based on the the word of God. And so that's how uh, traditionally non-Pentecostals would explain what happens in the book of Acts, right? It's a transitionary period between the old covenant and new covenant, and that's the reason why there's this gap. But now we're not at the beginning of the new covenant, right? We're in the new covenant. And so we shouldn't expect that there's this delay or transition because it's already been shown that everyone who believes is a part of this covenant community and we receive the spirit at the point of conversion which is why Paul in his writings came which came after usually later in the book of Acts he talks like that right he's not talking about this transitionary period he's talking about this is how it is now in this new covenant with Jesus so that would be uh, how we would explain or think about baptism in the spirit and one thing to remember in all of that, again, is that we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved. And that's not unimportant, right? Just because we disagree on what baptism in the Holy Spirit is, or maybe what the spiritual gifts look like, we don't want to downplay the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. Because we have the spirit of power and of love, and of self-control. And so even when we disagree about when we receive the Spirit, we need to remember that 
it's incredibly good that we have the Spirit. Uh, that is a great thing. And we're reminded of that from passages like this. It's something that people didn't have in the Old Testament. People weren't indwelt in the same way by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament like we are now. And uh, we need to walk in the Spirit because of that. So all that then leads us into questions about what it means that the Spirit is in us, what kind of giftings the Spirit gives us, and that gets into the question of things like tongues and whether certain spiritual gifts have ceased or not. And we'll think more about that next week as we think not just about Pentecostals, but about Charismatics as well. So that's kind of a brief look at Pentecostalism, some of the denominations, and some of the doctrinal distinctions in Pentecostalism.